O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. I want to draw your attention to a pick on the navigation menu on the Daily Audio Torah website. It is found under Our Projects and Partners. Select Torah House Global Prayer Network. This is a call to believers throughout the nations everywhere to take a place on the wall of prayer and to raise up a standard against the rising tide of evil and lawlessness that we see in our nations and in our culture. Let me share with you from their vision statement. The Torah House is an imaginary space where we meet each Arab Shabbat at 9 p.m. We all pray from our own location and in our own time zone. Together, we will enter into the virtual Torah house every Arab Shabbat, Friday night, at 9 p.m., your local time. His set-apart people will meet with Yeshua in his Torah house. Community prayer is of tremendous value because as we pray of one heart, mind, and purpose, great power is released in the heavens. We begin our prayer time with a great shofar blast and enter Yahovah's courts with praise. We come against the relentless tide of evil that is swallowing up the nations. We ask our Father to establish His Torah in our city, our region, and our nation. Each month there is a featured prayer theme for the month so that together we can focus our prayers on the prayer theme for that month. Go to thetorahouse.com to see the prayer theme for this month. To learn more or to sign up to become a partner, coordinator, or member, go to thetorahouse.com and find out more. Join with others throughout the nations every Friday night at 9 p.m. your time, as together we raise up a symphony of prayer to Abba Father in seeking His face and crying out to Him for the remnant to return to the God of Israel and to His great and glorious Torah. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Hukat, and it means ordinances. Numbers 21, 18-30 Sing of this well which princes dug, which great believers hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. Then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded on through Matanah, Nahaliel, and Bamoth. After that, they went to the valley in Moab where Pisgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. The Israelites sent ambassadors to King Sihon of the Amorites with this message. Let us travel through your land. 
We will be careful not to go through your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink water from your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. But King Sihon refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in battle at Jahaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River. They went only as far as the Ammonite border because the boundary of the Ammonites was fortified. So Israel captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon had been the capital of King Sihon of the Amorites. He had defeated a former Moabite king and seized all his land as far as the Arnon River. Therefore the ancient poets wrote this about him, Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sihon be restored. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It burned the city of Ar in Moab. It destroyed the rulers of the Arnon Heights. What sorrow awaits you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O worshippers of Chemish. Chemish has left his sons as refugees, his daughters as captives of Sihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them from Heshbon to Debon. We have completely wiped them out as far away as Nopha and Mediba. First Kings 19, 1-21 When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the gods strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. 
It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me, too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Maholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet... I will preserve seven thousand others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were twelve teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Acts 12, 1-23 About that time King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. That the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. 
So they passed through and started walking down the river, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Psalm 136, 1-26 Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. 
Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Proverbs 17, 14 and 15 Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, and in this chapter, it is immediately after the great power frontal It is immediately after the power confrontation that Elijah had on Mount Carmel, where he confronted all of the prophets of Baal, and they set up two different altars and set up a sacrifice on the altar, and then they waited to see if the God of Baal would respond when they called on him, and absolutely nothing happened. And then when Elijah calls upon the God of Israel, fire comes down from heaven and completely consumes everything on the altar, including all the water that had been poured upon it. So it was a direct confrontation, and those 300 prophets of Baal had been slaughtered by Elijah. So Ahab had been summoned, this power confrontation happens, and now in chapter 19, Jezebel makes a murderous threat. And she basically says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to have you murdered. You're going to be dead. I'm going to get you. And all of a sudden, Elijah, after this tremendous power confrontation, he's afraid. And he runs off to Beersheba, down to the southern part of Israel, and goes on into the wilderness. And he just wants to die. He basically is so depressed and so exhausted and weary and tired, he just wants to die. So then an angel comes and ministers to him and brings him bread and water. So I want to address this and put it in a practical terms. What do we do? What is God's way when we are so depressed and discouraged that we want to quit, we want to give up, we want to walk away? Maybe we even feel like dying the way Elijah did. Well, there are some practical nuts and bolts things to address this. Number one, Elijah slept. He was exhausted and tired. So many times when we feel that low emotionally, we need to sleep. We're tired. We need to get some rest. And then the other thing, the angel came and brought him bread and water. Often when we feel cranky, irritable, 
exhausted, um, not in a very good mood, it's because we're either tired or hungry. So it's time to eat a little bit of food, sustenance, something nutritional to break out of the funk. So then in verse 10, we see, let me come back to verse 9. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, there Elijah came to a cave. And he spent the night there. But then the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answers him in verse 10 and says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This very same message is shared again in verse 14. Um, We'll start with verse 13. A voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And again, Elijah says exactly the same thing. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So Elijah has a profound sense of isolation. He's been working hard, zealously, to stand for the kingdom of God and to stand for the God of Israel. And he feels very isolated, very alone, and he's so discouraged he just wants to die. So let's relate that now to what's going on today in our world. We've been under the pandemic with all of the lockdowns and social distancing and masks and all of that for a year and a half now, ever since about February of 2020. And part of the extreme trial of this has been the social distancing. Um, There is something that's called the Biderman Report of 1956. And he outlines in a chart the main tactics that a communist, that communists use to break down a person's will so that you can basically um, make them your slave. And in this chart of coercion, it compares back in 1956 how the communists would break a person down and it compares it to COVID-19 and the political practices that have been done with COVID-19. And at the top of the chart, it starts with, in the chart of coercion, isolation. In other words, deprive the individual of social support of his ability to resist, make make the individual dependent upon the captor, and the individual develops an intense concern with self. And so with COVID-19, we have isolation, social distancing, isolation from loved ones, massive job losses, solitary confinement, quarantines. The next thing is manipulation of perception. This is from the chart of coercion, the Biderman Report of 1956. To fix all attention upon immediate predicament, frustrate all actions not consistent with compliance, eliminate stimuli competing with those controlled by the captor. On the COVID-19 side of the chart, manipulation of perception, restrict movement, create monotony and boredom, prevent gatherings, meetings, concerts, and sports, dominate all media. 24-7 and censor information. This is a major issue right now. We're seeing many, many um, 
terrible side effects of the COVID vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It's experimental gene therapy. People are dying. People are having very adverse negative reactions. It's having bad effects upon the circulatory system with clots and bleeding and strokes and heart attacks and all kinds of very bad side effects. But this information is not getting in the mainstream media. You have to go looking for it in alternative news sources on the Internet. Okay, the next thing on the chart, induced debility and exhaustion, the chart of coercion, to weaken mental and physical ability to resist. The people become worn out by tension and fear. And on the COVID-19 side, induced debility, forced to stay at home, all media is negative, not permitted to exercise or socialize. Back to the chart of coercion, threats, cultivate anxiety and despair, give demands and consequences for noncompliance. On the COVID-19 side, threats and intimidation, threaten to close business and levy fines, predict extension of quarantine, force vaccines, create containment camps. Demonstrate omnipotence, back to the uh, coercion, chart of coercion from Biderman. Demonstrate omnipotence. Demonstrate the futility of resistance, show who is in charge, provide positive motivation for compliance, and on the COVID-19 side of this chart, demonstrate omnipotence, shut down entire economies across the world, create money out of nowhere, force dependency, develop total surveillance with nanochips and 5G. Back to the uh, coercion side of the chart, degradation, make resistance seem worse than compliance, create feelings of helplessness, create fear of freedom, dependence upon captors. And on the COVID-19 side, humiliation or degradation techniques, shame people who refuse masks and don't distance, make people stand on circles and between lines, make people stand outside and wait in queues. So this chart can be found at dailycrow.com. That's dailycrow.com. So in many ways, culturally, we are in a place similar to what Elijah found himself to be in. He had a major power encounter, and now he's extremely discouraged and depressed. He's isolated. He's alone. And the Lord ministered to him and met him where he was at. And so my prayer today is whatever your situation is that you find yourself in with this pandemic, with all the lockdowns and isolation and masking and separation from loved ones and family, that the Lord will meet you right where you are at, that you will hear his still, small, quiet voice, that he will speak a personal word to you, to encourage you, to lift you up, and to give you hope and a future, that we must endure and persevere through these very trying and difficult times. We may feel a lot of grief and sorrow because we have lost loved ones who've either died or refused to see us because we refuse to take the vax, we refuse to take the jab, and, and they're insisting that you must take it, and if you don't, then I don't want to see you. It's, it's come to that. It really has. 
And then we are finding that those who have taken the jab are actually becoming super spreaders and are actually shedding the spike protein. And this is why we're seeing an uptick in um, a lot of the cases of COVID because people who are getting vaccinated are spreading it. And so it's wise to keep our distance and keep away from those who've been recently taking the jab because they're spreading the COVID-19 virus. They're spreading the spike protein that causes all the illness. So may the Father encourage you. May he lift you up. May he meet you intimately, one-on-one, and speak to you in his still, small, quiet voice. May you know intimacy with him in this time of isolation, in this time of quarantining and lockdowns. May he be near you and close to you, and may he pour out his unconditional love, his grace, his mercy, and his shalom upon you. May he provide for you for your daily needs, and may you feel his love, experience it, and be immersed and soaked in it in the midst of this trial. I ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Adonai Adonai the Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.